Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Liu, speaking to you after the Toronto Raptors lost yet again. A one-point game on the road. On the second out of a back-to-back, the... Well, it's not the exact same loss as it was to the Golden State Warriors. The script was flipped a little bit, but the ending was the same. The Raptors lose by a score of 112-111 to against Portland. And, um... Look, it's just... just, Look, it's just tough. (laughs) I mean, it's just tough. Um, It's tough in the sense that... The Raptors shouldn't have lost... Um, but you could have said that against the Warriors last night. You could have said that at many games this season when they blew double-digit leads. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. Um, I really do want to say that the results are getting better. Absolutely. I think the Raptors are playing better games. They're putting more solid stretches together. Uh, but the 2-8 and eight record is 2-8. and eight. Two and eight is two and eight, and you know you can point the point differential, all these other things, and that's fine. That's this. That's fine. I think those are objective truths about the Raptors. Problem is, uh, people, humans aren't exactly objective most times, um, and these games just like hurt. Like they like just this feels like an absolute kick in the stomach. Um, you're already down. That that. Warriors game is just an absolute heartbreaker. And then today, the Raptors came out with a great response against Portland, or it so seemed the Raptors won. The first came out really strong in the first quarter, took a double-digit lead. You know, uh, Pascal was playing amazing. Uh, Second quarter, the Raptors let up a little bit, although the Raptors extended their lead uh, into the second quarter. Their bench was actually extending the lead. Raptors closed the quarter with a very odd lineup. Kyle wasn't on the floor, which he usually is to close quarters. And you saw Alex Len get burned. You saw Terrence Davis, you know, foul jump shooter. You saw, um, you know, Len failing to box out Robert Covington, even though he's twice his size. Uh, you saw some soft fouls on Pascal. And, of course, it goes into a f- halftime as a five-point game. I was already pretty annoyed. However, the Raptors, third quarter, play really well. They extend the lead. Their defense is really good. They went to Chris Boucher at center. Um, and they get back to double digits once again. And then in the fourth quarter, the Raptors, even with their bench, still producing. The Blazers went to their starters early. They re- rolled their starters hard tonight. And um, the Raptors checked in. It was starters versus starters. The Blazers were on fire. They went to a small ball lineup. And, yeah, it came down to the final possession. CJ McCollum hit a very tough jumper over, you know, Fred Van Vliet to give the Blazers the lead. And the Raptors had about 10 seconds left, final possession. This time, they gave the ball to Pascal Siakam. You know, last night, you know, Nick Nurse said that was plan B. The Raptors had another option first this time around. Undeniably, the plan was to get the Pascal. Pascal carved himself 
post um, position, seals his man, uh, or Covington. Raptors inbound the ball to him. Raptors try to clear out. Siakam tries to make an early move. Some bad spacing. Siakam has to reset. Then Siakam goes into his move. Pump fake, spin, draw some contact. It wasn't called, to be honest. They never call that stuff unless you're like, you know, a superstar. And Pascal's not that. Uh, and Siakam gets off the shot. It's He's a little bit off balance. But, uh, you know, it touches rim twice and it bounces out. And the Raptors lose. There's no time left. Just an absolutely um, gutting performance, you have to say. It's one of those games that makes you wonder, why are you staying up until 1 a.m. to watch basketball? Why are we watching basketball? (laughs) Why is basketball taking place during a pandemic? Nothing good could possibly come out of this. And nothing good has come out of the Raptors, um, for the Raptors this season. Absolutely none at all. Um, You know, you look at a game like this, and again... Objectively, you say, well, they did make some progress, put some nice things together. This is a good response, you know, blah, 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 blah. That's true. Absolutely. And I will go into that in a second. But for now, you know, even like 30, 40 minutes after the game, you're just like, like, it's, it's, you're stunned. Like, you're really just stunned. Like, you know, I don't, I don't mean to sound like simple plan, but like, how could this happen to me? Like, it's, it's really like that. And, you know, whatever, man. I mean, like, there's bigger problems in the world. Then the Raptors losing some close games. You know, they won a championship two years ago, all that other stuff. There's a lot worse things going on, absolutely. And I do, and I maybe should, I, you know, need to contextualize that this is strictly speaking a sports tragedy. And even on the scale of sports tragedies, it's still quite low. But damn, it feels bad. The Raptors are down bad. Um, I don't know what to say, really, aside from the fact that. You know, it's just one of those years where nothing goes right. It feels like, um, you know, Charlie Brown getting the football, like, uh, yanked back and him falling over, like, over and over and over again. The Raptors have had some just absolutely gut-wrenching punch to the stomach, kick to the stomach, another punch on top of that uh, type of losses this season. And, yeah, I mean, look, if if you want to get on Pascal... Uh, I, I think it's it's your prerogative. You can say, oh, look, spin move. You know, he missed it again, whatever. Uh, I, I don't even know what to say. I mean, Pascal played really, really good throughout the entire game. He got his first career triple-double. He almost got it against Sacramento, but he got pulled um, in the fourth quarter when the game was already a blowout. It was one rebound short. Um, and today he gets the triple-double. Was phenomenal to start the game. Uh, he created 26 of the Raptors' 32 points in the first quarter. He scored 12 of them. He assisted another 14 off five assists. Um, you know, he was playing amazing. And even throughout the rest of the game, he a lot, lot got lost in the shuffle just a little bit, but still was contributing, still was making plays. Um, his pick, uh, kickout pass in the fourth quarter got him the, his 10th assist of the game to get the triple-double. Um, he made a very, very smart cut late in the shot clock in the last minute. Raptors were kind of stuck in the mud offensively. Fred was trying to attack, was not going to go anywhere. Pascal makes a sudden basket cut behind the defense. Fred picks him up, uh, finds the pass, throws it inside. Siakam scores. That gives the Raptors a 1-1-1. Shout out to Ismail. Um, 1-1-1 lead um, over the Portland Trailblazers. And, um, yeah, you know, if you want to get on Pascal, I go ahead. I mean, Pascal also made... A great, very clutch stop on Damian Lillard right after that, where obviously the Blazers going to Dame, Dame time, things like that. 
Nobody had been able to guard Dame. Dame got switches. He, I mean, Dame's the kind of guy who's so good offensively, he intentionally seeks out OG Anobi on a switch. Intentionally. Even though OG's a fantastic defender, especially on ball, Dame would li- intentionally call for the sc- a screen from whoever was OG's man just to get OG on the switch and then torch him. And that's OG. So that's the kind of kind of sadistic kind of, you know, mf that Dame Lillard is. And then, so this time... He seeks out Pascal. Pascal switches. This time, Pascal's five fouls on him. Pascal plays him perfectly, doesn't bite, doesn't allow the three-point shot, plays him to drive, bottles him up, swallows it. Dame ends up turning the ball over. Great, great stop. So, you know what? Pascal played an amazing game. And then the final play, and he misses the shot. And if you want to get on him, again, go ahead. If you want to say he's not a closer, you know, that's a different conversation. I mean, you know, we can talk about different things. I mean, last year, Pascal played pretty well as a closer, but he did have... He was finishing a lot more plays in terms of guys getting the pick and roll. You know, Siakam screening for Kyle. Siakam getting to th- going downhill towards the basket. That was pretty good. Um, of course, as the the year went on, um, you know, I think the, the teams had a better idea of how to scout and guard Siakam, and so he lost a little bit of his efficiency. But really, last year he was one of the most efficient players in crunch time. However, if you want to have this conversation about Pascal getting his own shot one-on-one in crunch time, I'm willing to have that. That's fine. I think that's a basketball conversation. That's not some sort of ethereal thing about making fun of him being a Beyblade or making fun, you know, whatever. Uh, that's a specific basketball conversation, and you can have that basketball conversation. Because if you look objectively, how many go-to moves does Pascal have to get a shot off? Um, it's not that many. Pascal's a guy who plays within the flow of the game, and that's where he plays best. In just one-on-one, strictly speaking, one-on-one situations with the whole defense loaded up in these last-second possessions, yeah, it's going to be a little tough. It's going to be a little tough, especially with the skill set the way it is. I would say, yes, that is currently true of this team. However, who else is going to get that shot for you? Is Kyle going to be able to get that shot? To be honest, Kyle's never really been Kyle's game, honestly. Um, I know Kyle's had some game winners. The guy's been here like eight years. You you, you should have some game winners after eight years. Pascal has some game winners too, to be honest. He, you know, uh, hit the layup over Draymond, for example, for the championship. Uh, Fred has some game winners-ish about the Fred. You know, we know Fred is a little bit too small, just like Kyle to create. And so, in terms of guys who can get a shot off, it's pretty much just Pascal. And so, you're kind of bound by whatever limitations Pascal has at the moment. And, you know, I think putting him in these positions... It's going to hurt, absolutely, but I also, if they go to anyone, I do want to go to Pascal. I don't have an issue with the two looks that he gotten. I mean, I you know, it, he didn't go he didn't go in. You can say maybe he could have, done, you know, done a, a more skilled player, could have created a little bit more space. Again, the, the game previously against the Warriors, he had four seconds when he caught the ball in the backcourt. To even get that much separation is already, you know, I, I honestly, I, I really can't fault him for that. Today, again, you know, he had more time. He was in the post. He obviously, you know, he, you know, the spacing was a little bit bad. But at the same time, you know, uh, Siakam was able to recognize that reset. You know, you, you might say, okay, maybe he has to work on a couple of different things in his game. Maybe like a jab step pull-up jumper or maybe something like that instead of, um, you know, preferring to go to, with his back to the basket. I mean, you know, that's fine. I mean, again, these are all basketball conversations. If you want to say Pascal needs to expand his repertoire in his one-on-one scoring as a number one option, that's fine. I think realistically speaking, that is not there for him at the moment. And so, at the very least, you would like to give him these reps. And so far, the shots haven't gone in, but I don't disagree with the process. 
that's fine. But I just, just like, please, be a decent person. Don't go off beyond that, because look at the game objectively. This man has 22 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists, a steal, the, you know, a great stop against Lillard right before this. You know, uh, he, you know, he played fantastically, um, and he's doing so much of what you want from him. You know, again, the results aren't there because the Raptors keep losing these extremely close games. But, I mean, realistically, Pascal has been everything you could possibly ask for in the last five games. And you can say, okay, it's just five games, whatever, okay, you know what, it's fine. You want to be ungrateful, be ungrateful, I don't give a, you know, I really don't care. But I'm just saying, you know, you can be, you can, you can be ungrateful, but you can at least be decent. And I think the decent thing is to recognize that Pascal has played quite well. Are the, is the role a little bit too big for him? Maybe. This is what the roster is, man. Um, sometimes the role is too big for you in life. And, like, that's, you know, what it is at the moment. I, you know, you, but you can't fault a person for a situation. You can say, are they trying to make the best of their situation? Are they giving their best effort? Are they going about it in a smart way? And on all three of those accounts, I would have to say absolutely. You know, you know, Pascal has done that. Pascal's last five games. This is what he's giving you. 24 points, shooting 52% from the field, shooting 35% from three. He's not taking that many threes. Got to the free throw line 70, uh, 7.2 times per, per game. Getting to the re- rebounds, 9.6 rebounds, 6.2 assists. You know, I mean, the only issue you could really say is he, he you know, he commits some fouls. But again, you know, he, I mean, okay, I guess. He does not get a nice whistle. I have to say that much. Uh, and then, you know, even just only 1.8 turnovers. And this is while playing really good, you know, defense generally over the five games. And the Raptors are 1-4. and four. You know, honestly, the Suns game was quite close. You know, they, they you know that didn't go the way. This game was obviously extremely close. The Raptors led in the final minute. The Warriors game, same deal. But, you know, I have, you know, I think the micro is that Pascal's playing quite well. Um, and if you want to focus on just two plays, then that's, you know. That's on you, and honestly, it's not necessarily wrong. I mean, I mean, those two plays to turn were the final plays that could have swung the game. But I think it's just a little bit obtuse to only look at that play. But you know, again, this is sports, man. Maybe people don't think about it that deeply, or maybe people don't care to. Uh, in terms of other guys who played tonight, I thought Fred was a little quiet. Um, Fred had been balling right along with Pascal the last few games. Um, tonight, he was a little bit more quiet. Didn't really get his first basket until the third quarter. And didn't really get into the game as much. Um, you know, I think early on, he definitely fed Pascal a lot. Kyle was really more intent on scoring. Kyle shot 5 of 17, you know, 3 of 12 from the three-point line. So, you know, some missed shots there, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, Fred, you know, I think the Raptors need him to impose himself a little bit more. Maybe it's just a case of energy because, of this. you know, he's been playing his absolute heart out. I mean, he just spent so long guarding, you know, Steph. Now he's got to come in and guard Dame. But, I mean, that's the NBA, and that's part of being great is to consistently be at that level. Um, I didn't think Fred met that level tonight. I don't fault him too much for it, but, you know, I think that's objective to say. Um, you know, if you look at the bench, the Raptors bench actually gave the Raptors a lot. Chris Boucher, obviously, being the main guy there, he's been consistently delivering off the bench for the Raptors. Today, he, even, he was so good with the bench that he actually finally got to start the second half the Blazers started this game with Yusuf Nurkic. He played nine minutes. Honestly, Len guarded them quite well. And, and and Len had a really nice first shift. So then Nurkic came out. Apparently, he suffered some sort of injury. So he didn't play for the rest of the game. You know, Enos Cantor came in, hurt the Raptors, you know, with the usual Enos Cantor trade-off of he's going to give you a lot of layups and you can probably attack him back defensively the other end. Um, you know, third quarter, the, the Raptors, uh, you know, the, the Blazers start with Enos Cantor. The Raptors start with Boucher. 
And Boucher delivered throughout the game. I mean, when he first checked into the game, ready to go, hitting two threes right away. Pascal had an incredible drive um, where he threw a behind-the-back pass, I believe with his left hand, um, to Boucher, who was in the dunker spot. Boucher gets the and one layup. Boucher was contributing early, contributing often, on the glass, rebounding, um, blocking shots, you know, blocking threes, contesting the hell out of threes. Like, you know, it's not just that he blocks threes. It's that also he, like, scares the living daylights out of you when he comes out with the with the block. Now, the thing is, the Raptors are doing what they did last year, which is to really, really cl- close out really hard. And I think Nick almost encourages flyby contests where even if they don't get the first contest and, you know, even if the, the uh, score um, recognizes the first um, initial defensive action and does a little pump fake to reset, the guy kind of tries to then close out from behind, basically from outside the play as well. But I think, you know, um, yeah, Boucher, I mean, he's he's really threatening, not just shots around the basket, but shots at the three-point line. And he just consistently finished, you know, finished lots of possessions. You know, he's hitting big shots. You know, Boucher hit a career-high five threes tonight on his birthday, on his 28th birthday. Um, you know, Boucher, on the fifth three, I mean, the Raptors were down. The Blazers were really making a push. And Boucher just, like, no hesitation uh, pulls and, and, and swishes the three. I mean, you know, if he missed, you would say, well, that's maybe a bad shot. But I think the fact that he is so fearless is kind of a, a breath of fresh air, actually, for the Raptors. Because in crunch time, they do seize up a little bit. And you always do appreciate guys who are willing to take the shot. And Boucher, absolutely willing. I mean, Boucher has played his role perfectly. I'm really curious to see if the Raptors end up starting Boucher the next game against, you know, a smaller team who like to run up and down the floor, uh, you know, you know, like the Hornets. I mean, you know, Nick keeps shuffling the starting five lineup. Why don't you just get to it? Play Chris. Because I think one thing is clear is that Chris, outside of foul trouble, which he only played, we only had one foul today, that's really encouraging. But outside of foul trouble, Chris should be playing 30-plus minutes for this team. And maybe if you look on the, on the bigger picture, having Chris Boucher play 30 minutes for your team is maybe going to hurt you a little bit because defensively he's not always impervious to a lot of matchups. But to be honest... I don't even care. I don't care if Boucher misses a, a box out once in a while or that he gets pushed under the rim or that someone drives through him because he's not strong enough or, or, or you know, someone gets him in the post. He's doing so much uh, else around that that he absolutely creates just as much of a mismatch for the opponent as he does, you know, concede to the opponent. So, you know, play Chris 30 minutes. Start him. I mean, one way to one, the one thing that's great about starting is that you get a chance to really bump up your minutes. So I would love to see Chris start. And honestly, you know, um, yeah, when you start, you also play against the most high leverage players. And Boucher is already doing that to close all of these games. So, you know, start Chris. I thought, but the Raptors bench, you know, Stanley, I thought was really good in his role tonight. Um, if you look at this, this is like an absolutely perfect box score from Stanley Johnson, which you can have hardly, I've never really been able to say that on this podcast um, in the in the year plus that Stanley has been here. I know there were those two bubble games. You know, there was the game winner against Philly, and then there was the next night against Denver where you have, like, 25. I mean, realistically, those were, those were like, summer league-level games, okay? Um, in actual competitive games, I think this was Stanley's best game as a Raptor in, in, in terms of just meaningful games. Um, and this is what I mean by a perfect Stanley Johnson box score. Seven points. On three of five shooting, one of two from three, 
four rebounds, including two offensive, three assists, one steal, plus four in 23 minutes. Perfect. That's absolutely perfect from what you want from Stanley Johnson because I think he's really, really starting to carve out a role for himself on this team finally. I think his second year with the team, his second year with the program, he's so much more bought in to what Nick wants. And his style of play is starting to really, really fit. And not only fit, but like stand out in how well it fits, which is kind of a little bit surprising to me. Obviously, you know, given how bad he was last year in very short, limited stints, um, that was one thing. But I thought last year it felt like he never really knew what his role was, came in, tried to do some stuff, and uh, ended up turning the ball over and didn't really play that great defensively. This year, completely different. It feels like he's bought into his role. He knows how to play his role. And he's delivering. I mean, tonight, for example, Stanley guarded probably one through five on, on the Blazers. There was a lot of switching for the Raptors. You saw Stanley guard CJ. You saw Stanley guard Dame. You saw Stanley guard Carmelo. You saw Stanley guard Robert Covington, Derek Jones. You know, occasionally switching on to Cantor and stuff like that. Like, Gary Trent. Like, he basically guarded the whole roster. Um, and he was up to the challenge. Gave great, intense energy. Pressured the ball. And yeah, sometimes he got beat. Like CJ got him pretty bad with a crossover at one point. But then the next play down, you know, CJ tried to go at Stanley again, and Stanley forced him into a, a, an air ball. So you know, where <laughs> you're even on that, right? And I thought Stanley played well. Um, I think he's given the Raptors good size because to make up for the lack of size, generally speaking, with their bench, the Raptors are kind of playing with Boucher, who's a little bit small at five. But if you pair him with OG and Stanley. All of a sudden, you do have a fair amount of size. Now, it does take some stuff offensively off the table, and that is a concern for the Raptors. However, I will have to say that offensively, the Raptors haven't had that many problems on the last few games. I thought Pascal and Fred playing up to their level has really raised the level of the team as a whole. And honestly, the Raptors could use some stops because defensively, they are still a bit leaky. And I thought Stanley today just as he was versatile defensively, was versatile offensively in how the Raptors used him. So he hit a, a, a three from the top of the floor. Uh, he missed the other attempt, from, but those are both wide-open looks. I'm fine with those. Take those. Just don't take them on a high volume. He made two backdoor cuts behind the defense, which was great. Um, but also, he was screening, and this is not new. He's been screening a little bit too, but essentially he's playing as the power forward or whatever, so he's going to have to screen. And I think him screening on the ball created separation he's a solid physical player so the raptors can actually use him to screen one thing that's a little bit of a concern with the bench unit is that boucher is so skinny he's not actually creating contact with the defender who's on the ball and so the guards aren't getting great advantages boucher tends to slip the screen or even you maybe if he even sticks around for the screen he likes to go early so that he can get open which is fine um and boucher is delivering so that's okay but Stanley's actually setting really solid screens. Like I thought today, for example, Norm got one of his easy baskets off a curl play where Stanley just screened. Norm was lifting up from the corner, uh, curled around Stanley. Stanley set a great screen, knocked his man down, and Norm got to the rim for a layup. And that just that play used to be there all the time for Norm, and that hasn't really happened this year. I thought Stanley set a great screen there. And honestly, even on ball, you know, when the Raptors did have Stanley screen, the Raptors usually created a trap from the Blazers because, you know, people aren't going to really guard Stanley like that. And the Raptors passed the ball to Stanley, Stanley in the middle of the floor, kind of picking out plat passes in that Draymond role. He made one mistake, you know, in terms of making a, you know, misreading a play where Norm left the corner to come up to the wing and, and Stanley thought he was picking it to the wing and there was a miscommunication. It was a turnover. But for the most part, Stanley played great. 
and including one possession where you know he Stanley caught himself in the corner. The Raptors play kind of broke down. Stanley tried to attack, but then through this gorgeous cross court pass that not only found Terrence Davis open in the corner, but it led Terrence Davis because Terrence should have been in the corner. He you know when the play is like that, you need to duck down a little bit more, but. Um, Stanley's pass led TD to the corner, which gave him more space to shoot and hit the open three. But yeah, you know, I'm pretty encouraged. And honestly, I'm very happy for Stanley personally because, you know, he's taken a lot of shit as well. You know, some from, you know, on this podcast, absolutely. But he's also just hasn't played that well, right? And he's taken criticism for his play. He's legitimately been productive for the Raptors this year. And I'm pretty happy. And also, the Raptors need that production at the moment. Which, you know, maybe says more about the roster, but I'm happy for Stanley personally. Uh, in terms of other guys, Norm, I mean, he says he's a plus nine. He had some decent moments. It just felt like still a lot of mistakes, you know, reads kind of weren't there. He first checks into the game, makes some mental mistakes. TD is the exact same as Norm, only a lot worse. So, you know, I, you know, it, it again, Nick, Nick must be tearing his hair out at these two guys because they badly need them to provide offense, provide shooting and all that other stuff, but, and they sometimes have good games, absolutely, but you know, it is it is just tough watching them, it is just tough because they, it, as a coach you just want your bench guys to come in and not make mistakes, um, it's more important not to make a mistake than it is to make a great play, and these guys just make mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake, offensively, defensively yeah we should really break down the film on these guys sometime because it is really tough um, and then, yeah, you know, in terms of the rest of your roster, I mean, Len didn't really, I mean, this is, I, I think Len has gone scoreless like three straight games now. Um, you might have to call this guy scoreless Williamson instead of Alex Len. I mean, this is, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's real tough for him right now. I'm just going to look it up. It's not his fault. I mean, the Raptors run zero, literally zero plays for him and you can't really score without the ball, but Len's numbers this year, two points against Philly, 11 against the Knicks. He hit those three corner threes. I love that. Two points against the Pelicans, zero points against the Celtics, one point against the Suns, zero points against Sacramento, and now zero points once again. You know, it's just tough to get zero points from your center all the time. Um, and, you know, obviously it's no different with Baines. Baines got benched. This is his third straight game getting benched. Um, it's tough, man. Nick is Nick is really trying out there. He's really, really trying, and this is just what he has. I think Nick, honestly... Um, whatever it is, I think right now it feels like the Raptors are kind of adjusting huge after every game, which does make sense. I mean, um, you know, I think the Raptors don't have great talent at the moment, so they need to mix and match. But at the same time, like, they're also kind of reacting. It's like, oh, the last thing just worked, let's run that again. Oh, the last thing just worked, let's run that again. The last thing didn't work, let's run something different, which is fine. I think that is the way to go. But I do think ultimately the Raptors look a little confused. What is their identity? Are they a small ball team? Are they a small ball are they a defensive team? Are they a team that plays through um, the post? Because, you know, there's a lot of confusing things. I mean, I think, honestly, it's, you know, Fred and Kyle, the two of them don't really have the greatest rhythm. I thought today Kyle took much more initiative, and so Fred, you know, took a back seat. Obviously, other games, Fred has taken a huge initiative. Fred, Kyle's taking a back seat. Uh, Pascal, you know, sometimes he's featured, sometimes he's not. Definitely gets the ball a lot early, doesn't get the ball as much later on. OG, what's his role? He hits some corner threes, you know, makes some plays, but sometimes gets lost for long stretches. Um, you know, the starting center, I mean, Nick has cha- tried all sorts of different options. You know, he's tried, what, um, 
he's how many starting lines have the Raptors had? So they, there's the original starting five with Fred, Kyle, OG, Siakam, Baines. Then there was the game Pascal was suspended, so Norm started in place of Pascal. Then there was the game where Kyle was out and Norm started in, in place of Kyle. Then there was the f- starting five with Alex Len that they played with today. Then there was the starting five uh, for the second half, which had Boucher in there. So, I mean, that's a lot of combinations for 10 games. And I, I don't know what the goal or purpose or identity of the Raptors is. I think, honestly, based on what I've seen so far, and I'm not going to tell Nick what to do. That's ridiculous. What I'm just saying is that it seems clear to me that the Raptors' talent offensively there is a lot there they they're really good when they play fast because especially because they got guards pascal's a big you know a, a big who plays well in transition uh chris boucher is a big that plays well in transition a team that probably has to shoot a lot of threes and they're already doing that but um you know they have some guys who can get to the basket and just generally speaking that's kind of their identity i think there's this much more offensive oriented team doesn't look like this team is going to be a top 10 defensive club. And if you really force feed and try to make this team a defensive club, then I don't know if you can score because, you know, if you need Alex Len or Baines out there, I mean, right now they're not giving you anything, so you probably shouldn't put them. But I think ultimately you need some size in the middle to, to really defend at an elite level. And so if you ever play them, then your offense is dead. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you're, it, it's just tough right now. It's really, really tough right now. Um, I think the Raptors are kind of rudderless, and again, they're one and they're two, they're two and eight, man, two and eight. Like that's that's really difficult. And yeah, you can look at some small results, but on the whole picture, it's just this team has not been very good. Absolutely, it's they, they've had great stretches in every game, and that's maybe what the fr- most frustrating part about it is. But they just they've not been that good this season. Uh, in terms of your three stars, I will give Pascal the first star. 22 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists, a steal, uh, 9 of 17 shooting, 0 for 2 from 3. His three-point attempts have really come down in the last few games. He's really focused more on getting the post. I love his patience. His passing out of the post has been really good, making good reads. Honestly, these are all real objective strides. Uh, even the spin move, uh, he spun many, many times tonight, and it worked. Literally, the only time it didn't work was on the last play, and... You know, again, people are going to shit on him. It's I feel so bad for Pascal all the time. But he's playing his heart out. It's not his fault. It really isn't. He's he's playing amazing. First triple-double, career triple-double, congrats. Second star, going that to Chris Boucher. 20 points, 8 rebounds, and assists. 3 blocks off the bench. 7 of 12 shooting. 5 of 8 from 3. That's a career high for him. Uh, in 32 minutes, fantastic. Fantastic. He has really taken a step this year. He has taken the opportunity to let vacated by, you know, Serge and Mark and just completely run with it. And I could not be happier. He should start the next game. Um, and honestly, you figure out your starting five and then you try to go from there. I think that makes the most sense. If they're, I mean, if you're going to look for your hierarchy of your of, of needs, figuring out your starting five is like knowing where you're going to sleep or how you're going to eat the next day. You know, you're going to need to figure that out. And then the bench is like, you know, small things like love. Um, friendship, you know, um, you know, other other stuff that people like to think about. Yeah, you know, it, it's nice to have them. Everyone wants them, but you know, realistically, can you survive without them? You kind of can. So you maybe you kind of figure that stuff out. I know that's kind of bleak, to be honest. It, the, the Raptors right now is is kind of bleak. Um, in terms of your third star, I'm going to go with. Ah, oh, man, this is very tough. I might go. You know, I'm going with Stanley Johnson. Seven points, four rebounds, three assists, a steal, three of five. One of two. I'm I'm basing this relative to who played the role the best. OG had a productive night scoring wise, eighteen points on six of nine shooting, 
four of six from three is highly efficient. But having said that, defensively, OG did give up a couple of baskets. So it's hard for me to give it to him on that basis. Kyle was below average. Fred was below average. Stanley Johnson was not below average for his role. So Stanley gets the third star for me. In terms of the Joe Henderson Award winner, um, that's got to go. That's got to go to Melo. I mean, you know, Melo twenty points, five rebounds, three assists, two steals, two blocks. The two steals, two blocks. Honestly, he made a lot of great plays down the stretch defensively. Made some pretty big plays in terms of his physicality on the glass. He was basically playing center. And I honestly, I've always loved Melo. Um, fantastic player to watch. I know people really get on him and stuff like that. And I recognize those concerns, absolutely. But as someone who just, like, appreciates the game of basketball, Carmelo does so many great things. Uh, I love his transition to a, being a vet now. I mean, it took him a while, absolutely. But he's really, really come into his role, embraced it, found a home in Portland. And he's doing great. And honestly, he's torched the Raptors the last few times the Raptors played. Honestly, the worst part about this game is that the Raptors lost this exact same game to Portland last season. This was in the ACC. The Raptors had their bench, you know, um, contributing that one. I remember, Chris, uh, you know, Shea Brissett hit a three. Matt Thomas hit a three. Guys were really making contributions. The Raptors had a double-digit lead. And then the, Ra- the Portland Trailblazers went to small ball, five shooters at once with Melo at the five. And the Raptors suddenly couldn't guard them at all. Everyone was going off. And then, of course, at the end, Carmelo Anthony hits a contested mid-range jumper over OG to give the Blazers a one-point win. And same thing here where um, CJ McCollum, I mean, CJ was so nice tonight. Uh, Where CJ, you know, hit a three right over Fred, or hit a mid-range number over Fred to give them the win. But it's a tough, tough game. Tough game, tough game. Cruel game, really, honestly. Um, You know, know, it's one of those games where I'm really happy the Raptors have two nights off. Um, Because I think as fans, you kind of need it for your sanity at the moment. It's so hard to watch these games only to get kicked in the mouth at the very end. And, um, yeah, hopefully uh, we're all around to do that. Uh, when the Raptors play the Hornets on the back-to-back um, later this week. So, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. Absolutely. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe. And, you know, trust in the process, you know, in terms of, like, maybe it'll turn around, maybe it won't. I think it probably will. I mean, it has to turn around a little bit more than this. Um, I don't think I'm embracing the tank just yet, but honestly, I don't know what there is to embrace. I mean, the Raptors are losing games. Whether you embrace it or not, that's the result so far. Raptors will have the best lottery odds in the NBA at the moment. Um, so, yeah, Raptors got to figure some stuff out. I would really love if the front office can get a center so that you don't have to see Aaron uh, Baines or Alex Len out there. It would be really great if, honestly, it would be really great if they can get, like, another decent bench player. Um Norm has had his moments, but he has just been such a negative on the season as a whole. Um, yeah, so it's it's tough. It's tough. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll 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 speak to everyone later. Thanks. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.